Good morning. So if you visited in the last three weeks, you probably think, man, I've just got to hear three speakers in four weeks, right? So I'm not, I'm not supposed to be a stranger when you come to Sunlight, but this last few weeks I have been. So I'm really, really glad to be here this morning. My name is John Mueller. I'm the lead pastor here at Sunlight Community Church. Um, I, uh, the last few weeks have been kind of difficult, and I've been very thankful for the prayers and the meals. Uh, a, a few weeks ago, it was like almost right before a Sunday, I tested positive for COVID and the flu. I've been sick, and now I'm slowly recovering, but um, I'm just thankful for your prayers. Um, there's someone that I do want to pray for this morning. Usually, I start everything out in prayer, and um, many of you know Jay Nicholas. He's come to speak here quite a few times, um, and he also was the one who planted Sunlight originally. He was the church planner here, and so he's uh, currently has COVID and is in the hospital, so I want to pray for him this morning as we start the service, but I, I do want to say something. I think it's interesting that somehow I got sick in the middle of a series about core values, so I really think that's kind of interesting about how uh, things, things happen that way. I, I think God wanted me to preach the sermon that I'm preaching today because it gave me a little bit more time to think about it. And so, um, so I'm really, really excited to be up here this morning. So let me pray for Jay, but also pray for uh, the passage that we're going to be going through this morning. Um, and I'm praying that everyone would be encouraged by it. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we know that your word does not return void. Um, we know that there are many promises in your word, and we're going to hear a few of them today. Um, also, Lord, we want to be a church that applies the word of God. And so help us to do that through your Holy Spirit. As we talked about bringing people to Jesus in January, Lord, help us to see how we can build into people like Jesus this morning. I pray for Jay, which is actually the person that I had many conversations about this very topic with. And so I pray for Jay right now, as, as he's got disease in his body, I pray that you would heal him. I pray that it would be miraculous. Um, God, you are the great physician, and so I, I pray for that now. And Lord, I just pray that as, as we go through your word this morning, help us to maintain our focus on not just what's being said, but God, what you're doing in our hearts and our minds. We say all this in Jesus' name, amen. So today we're in the second week of a three-week series that was supposed to be in January, but now is in February, and so um, it's called DNA, the core of the local church. Have you ever wondered what is the core of a local church? And, and I think sometimes we make things more complex than they have to be. Have you ever noticed that? Like, things tend to be complex. And I was told once, if you can't explain it to a five-year-old, it's not worth explaining at all. That probably means, that's probably why I never took physics. Sorry if anyone's taken physics. That's, I, I, it's probably why I haven't taken a, quite a few math classes that I didn't want to take. So, um, But today, it, it, it's one sentence that I want you to remember. And so, um, the sermon today is the second of three core values. Do, does anyone remember what core value I covered in January? Anyone? This is a quiz. One person. Okay, this is good. We'll do a review. The core value was bring people to Jesus. And I can't think of anything that I would want to do as a Christian besides bring people to Jesus. That's about it. That's the only thing I'd want to do. And this week, it's build into people like Jesus. To build into people like Jesus, we need to feel live, have lives filled with purpose. I know 
sometimes we struggle with purpose. Um, I can tell you the, the first seven days of me being sick was basically just me lying in bed. And when you lie in bed, you lose your purpose. And then you start doing things like posting things on Facebook or Instagram like, what should I binge watch? Right? That's the next step when you're sick. Just kidding. I didn't do that, but I've heard people do that. So let me explain it with a Peanuts cartoon. Can we, can we show a Peanuts cartoon? There's a Peanuts cartoon up there. I'm going to describe this. So Snoopy is dealing with purposelessness. He doesn't know what to do. And so Linus here throws a stick for Snoopy to retrieve, right? And Snoopy's a dog. He's supposed to retrieve the stick. That's what they do. His first instinct was to do what he was accustomed to doing, chase the stick. But he paused for a few moments and decided against it. Thinking, this is what he thinks, I want people to have more to say about me after I'm gone than he was a nice guy, he chased sticks. Think about that for a second. Christians never merely chase sticks. We never just go through the motions. Our first instinct might be to do something that won't matter for eternity. But yet, Christians do not stay that way. We're thriving with purpose because we bring people to Jesus and we build into people like Jesus. If you've been living a life without purpose, it will feel like you're chasing sticks. What's the next thing that you're chasing? Maybe it's retirement. Maybe it's the next promotion. Maybe it's the next stage in life for your kids. Maybe it's, I'm going to be in high school or I'm going to be in college. You might feel like a human doing rather than a human being. You ever heard that before? That's something I feel sometimes. I feel like, you know, when you're going through tasks and you're finishing them, you're just doing things. You're not a human being. But this isn't the way it has to be. Right before the passage will be in this morning, 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 17. So you can turn there, 2 Timothy, it's, it's in the pastoral epistles. Paul is talking about people being lovers of the world, lovers of self, money, and pleasure. And they're just not lovers of God. They have no purpose. So Paul tells us what we are to build our lives around. And, and John Stott makes this clear. John Stott is, is a person that I've read for years. He passed away a few years ago. But he said it this way. Certainly the pressures upon us to conform are colossal. Peer pressure, right? Everyone says that the rest of life is like high school. You ever hear that? You're always, con- you're always wanting to conform to those around you. But not only the direct challenge to our traditional beliefs and morals, but also much more from the insidious, pervasive atmosphere of secularism that seeps into the church. Many give in without even realizing what they're doing. But again and again, the word of God addresses us, calling us not to be moved. We are not like a reed shaken in the wind. You know, I I, I run at my my in-law's house, and they have these, like, pond reeds kind of things that they just go like this. You know, there's almost no breeze, but I can see it, and then I know I'm going to be freezing because usually it's in the winter when I'm running there. And so it's just shaking in the wind. It goes every which way. It doesn't do anything. We're not going to be like that. It says, feebly bowing down before it from whatever direction it may blow. Rather, like a rock and a mountain torrent, we are to stand firm. That is what it means to build into people like Jesus, standing firm in midst of obstacles. And all of us are going to encounter obstacles. Can I get an amen for that? Any obstacles this week? I was reminded of that on Thursday night. I received 
a bunch of different communication from different people about different things that are going on in the life of our church. And by the end of the night, I was kind of exhausted. I prayed a lot. I was, I was thinking about a lot of things. And I thought to myself, this is what the Christian life is about. Those are the moments that matter the most. They're yet, they're the ones that we try to avoid when we, we pursue a life without difficulty. So we know we'll encounter many difficulties as we build into others like Jesus. And I have known that all too well. So turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. I'm going to read the first couple of verses here. It's a, it's a passage that I, I'm very passionate about. I, I've preached this passage I don't know how many times. I, I remember preaching it when I was like 19. And it says, starting in verse 10, it says, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Iconia, or at Antioch, at Iconium, and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from all of them the Lord rescued me. When it says here, you, however, it's contrasting with all the stuff that happened before, with the people that follow Jesus versus the people that don't follow Jesus. Christians are different. We build into people by modeling what Paul is talking about here in verse 10 and 11. Think about this. Imagine saying verse 10 to your family. Imagine saying verse 10 to those that look up to you. Imagine saying verse 10 to someone you're having difficulties with. That's pretty hard. Timothy, as well as us, need to follow Paul who followed Jesus. And that's what's important. If, you, if you're going to say to someone and build into them, follow me as I follow Jesus, it's going to start with what Paul says in verse 10 here. So to build into people like Jesus, first we need to follow. You know, everyone that reads a leadership book, it never says follow first. Have you ever noticed that? I mean, there's some that are close. They have very clear principles like go and pursue mentors and, and stuff like that. But it's like lead in the moment now before you follow in that sense. To follow, you need to be listen to teaching. You must be convinced and committed. You know, you ever notice that when some, someone's unconvinced, they kind of just try to get out of a conversation really quick? If they're unconvinced, have you ever shared your faith and they're not hearing it? That's, that's something that happens. You need to be convinced and committed. Conduct, your way of life should be a template for others to follow. Not that you're perfect, but that you're pursuing Jesus. And so our aim and purpose, our commitment and follow through in our walk in Jesus, walk with Jesus. Faith, what's our faith in? In God's promises. Patience is the ability to wait for what God's going to do and persevere when we encounter opposition. The word I've used recently when I describe this is resilience. You're just, you're, you're resilient in, in spite of those that oppose you. Love. You know, I don't know if I can talk much more about love. I think Steve's covered that the last three weeks, right? Love for others is a result of our love for God. Steadfast endurance, a strong resolve in difficult situations. 
Many of you know my personality, and so the last three weeks, this is kind of what's happened. I feel better one day, and then I overdo it, and then I spend all the next day in bed. It's really discouraging. It's really discouraging. But I'm coming to find out that that's me trying to go back to things too quick. And so I have to limit myself from doing certain things. It says persecutions and sufferings. From reading the New Testament, we know all the things that Paul went through and can expect the same. And I encourage you to look up in a concordance at the end of your Bible, Paul, and you can find all these passages that describe what's going on. He describes it a little bit here. God will deliver us in the end. That's the point. If you're persecuted for your faith, God is watching over you and he'll rescue you. As a a follower of Jesus, you need to expect persecution and suffering. You may have never heard that before. Or maybe you've heard that and you just don't want to listen to it. To build into people like Jesus, we need to model the Christian life like Paul did. We need to make this our own. You know, I've seen so many times in my life where people, including myself, I've fallen into this trap before, are living for others. And when you're living for others rather than essentially making your beliefs your own, then you really don't believe what's in God's word. It's, it's, it's hard to apply that. And that's when you see someone fall away is because they're living for someone else. I go to church because my cousin goes to church. My mom goes to church. My dad goes to church. My grandma goes to church. It should be I go to church because that's the people of God, and I am one of them. To observe it, believe it, and live by it. That's how you make it your own. You have to observe it, believe it, and live, live by it. To build into people like Jesus, you need to pursue the virtues of God for the purposes of God. It's not just, so virtues, think of character traits, mercy, grace, love. If we're going to pursue those and we're going to have the purposes of God, that's going to magnify our ability to use those for his glory. So this next, this next part of the passage, verse 13 through 15, which uh, if any of you have ever seen me, I have never preached with a mic like this. But I'm preaching like this because if I cough, I don't want to cough into the mic. So I, I know that it, it, it's so hard for me not to move both my hands. Have you, you ever noticed that? Like, I'm always, like, doing this like a robot kind of. So this is very different, very different for me. Verse 12 through 15 here, it says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Didn't I just say that? We're going to be persecuted. And then it says, while evil people and imposters will go on from being bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived, but as for you, continue what you've learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you've learned it, and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. If you are committed to Jesus, and I'm not saying all of us are. I'm not implying that that you must be committed to suffering as well. It's going to happen. I, I've, I've looked back on my life, and I've had some time to reflect when my brain's not all foggy right now. And I've realized that every pivot point in my life where, where all of a sudden I had more faith than I had the day before came from a point of suffering. 
It never came from something that was good that happened. Because I got lost in, in what was happening that was good, and I kind of got puffed up about it. And that's just me. I'm not saying that's everybody. But I can tell you that there is a tendency to not realize that in suffering is where God shows us himself. He shows us that he is the comforter God. And that if we're leading a godly life, it's going to lead to persecution, and he will be with us. In John 15, Jesus says, if the world hates you, know that it's hated me before it hated you. If my daughter was in here, she would have said, that's a bad word, Dad. Don't say that, because we don't say hate. But Jesus said it, so let's repeat that for a second. Think about this. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, you would love it as its own, because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. It says right here in verse 20, and this is very important to remember. Remember the word that I said to you, Jesus saying this, a servant is no, not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. That's a promise. If, they're gonna, if someone else is going to keep their word, they would have kept it with Jesus, they'll keep it with us. So if we're following Jesus, we'll be treated as he was. Suffering is the calling card. I know many of us don't think of business cards or Rolodexes, but if you think about it, it's the calling card. Hey, I'm trying to sell you something. Here, here's the calling card. Suffering is Jesus' calling card. That's what we receive in return. So to build into people like Jesus, we need to expect suffering like Jesus. And, and persecution is not, isn't based on morality. That would just be punishment. It's based on what Jesus has done, which is something different than just morality. John Stott said, those who are in Christ but not in the world are not persecuted because they won't come in contact and therefore into collision with their potential persecutors. That means if you isolate yourself from people because you're afraid of being hurt or persecuted, of course you won't be persecuted because you're not showing other people your faith in Jesus. But then it continues, those who are in the world but not in Christ are also not persecuted because the world sees nothing in them to persecute. So if you're just going to go along with whatever's going on around you, then you will not. The former escape, the first right there, the not persecuted group that don't come in contact with people, they per escape persecution by withdrawal from the world, the latter by assimilation to it. It is only for those who are both in the world. That means here on this planet and in Christ simultaneously that persecution becomes inevitable. It's either, it's either there's, there's three options, okay? One option is you protect yourself, your family, your friends from anything that is not Christian, you separate yourself from anyone that you potentially could witness to. You just stay away from that. You try to protect them, and you shield them and hide them. The other is you come to church on Sunday morning. You kind of go through the motions, and then the whole week, your life looks no different than the person next to you that doesn't know Jesus Christ. And then the third option is that both of those things aren't true of you. You walk into work. And everyone's down because they're having to work overtime, and you're just like, man, I guess I get a, a bigger paycheck. You know, you're optimistic, like God blessed us with this. You you change 
the world around you because you're not withdrawing and you're not becoming like the world. You're trusting in Jesus Christ. So to build into people like Jesus is to live in the world facing persecution as it comes your way. Paul continues by saying, evil and fake people are going to go from bad to worse, deceiving and becoming deceived. I'm not an older person, and I'm, I'm, I'm not making a comment about old people, but bad to worse sounds like something that my grandpa would say. He passed away a few years ago, but he would always go, oh, it's going bad to worse when I was a little kid. It is bad to worse. What is worse than bad? Bad, bad? I don't know. It's worse. It's worse than bad. It's the worst thing that possibly could be. You notice it says fake? It's like fake. Have you ever noticed when, when someone's being fake? I always think of the, the Mean Girls movie. You ever watch Mean Girls? There's a scene in it where this girl walks up to another girl and is like, man, I love your skirt. It's vintage. And she like walks away. And I don't remember exactly what she says. I try to forget. But it's basically like, that's the most horrible looking thing I've ever seen. Like, that's so, why did she wear that? That's fake people. I, I can't think of a better description. It's fake. If we're deceived by false teachers, we eventually deceive ourselves. This is a really long point I have here, and I, I, I questioned, I questioned leaving it this long, but I know this is what we need to hear. To build into people like Jesus, we're not inviting people to a quiet and peaceful life, but to the suffering activity of saving the world. It requires sacrifice if you're going to build into people. You're going to take people meals. There's lots of people in our church that have received meals over the last four weeks that I'm aware of. We've received meals. You might take time off from work to help someone with something they need. You might use your skill set for another and not expect payment in return. We are in contrast. Christians are in contrast with the fake, deceived people if we follow Jesus. Because Paul says here, but as for you, but as for you, it's so interesting. I know there's lots of buts in the Bible or however. He's contrasting this because this is not what we're like. If you're finding in yourself that, that everything you go through in the week, you find moments where you feel that you're being fake with other people. God's conviction here says, but as for you, continue in the faith. So allow God to transform your heart, what you've learned and believed, what you've learned. Some of you might have walked in this morning and you didn't grow up in the church. You may never even heard this passage before. Or maybe you did grow up in the church and you're like, man, this is the 47th sermon on this passage I've heard today. Continue in the faith and what you learned and believed. I think the hardest thing as I grow older to realize is how, the thing I'm, I, I guess I'm most scared of, the hardest thing to, to grasp is, will I be faithful? Like, will I be faithful to my deathbed? Because I see so many older saints that maybe fall away or people I see that, that are older than me, and I wonder, am I going to be focused on what I've learned and believed? And this is, this is what is important. We need to remember the principle presented in verse 12 and 13. 
if we're going to be faithful. Trust the source of your teaching. Okay, first off, what's the primary source? The, the Word of God. That's the primary source. Trust the source. Then you go to, it talks about his relatives. You know, thankfully, I can count on my parents, which my mom is still alive, and so my mom has been in the church since she was 29. She got saved and has faithfully been in the church. And so, do I trust what she told me as a kid? Do I trust what she told me as a teenager when I rebelled? Do, do I trust what she told me when I got married? Do I trust what she told me when I had kids? Do I trust? The list goes on. Timothy taught the Old Testament, was taught the Old Testament from a young age. So if you have children, what this tells me is that I need to be teaching my kids as much as I can. And, and when I say teaching, I don't mean teaching like a formal classroom teaching. I mean teaching conflict resolution from a biblical perspective. When we hit, we don't hit back. What, how do we deal with life? The Old Testament made him wise to receive salvation through faith in Jesus, it says. To build into people like Jesus, we must point them to the Word of God. If we don't point people to the Word of God, what are we pointing them to? That's my question for myself. If we're not pointing people back to the Word of God, what are we pointing them to? And if it's a question of, I don't have time to read the Bible or what it is, I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that the most amazing thing is the Bible app will let you listen to the Bible. You don't have to open a book. And you listen for like three chapters a day, and you can read the whole Bible over a year. It's amazing. Me and my wife are going through chronologically. So chronologically, kind of annoying because you go through Job like the first like couple weeks. So I went through Job, and then I got sick. So don't read Job first because you might get sick. Um, but there's, there's a great opportunity if we point people back to the Word of God. And these next two verses I've covered so many times that I, I'm telling you, I'm going to give you the 5,000-foot the, uh, view on them because they are so important, but yet they speak for themselves in many ways. In verse 16, I'll read verse 16 and 17. It says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. These verses are so important here. Um, I can't tell you enough how much these verses have impacted my worldview and I think should impact the worldview of every Christian. All Scripture is inspired by God. It's from God. It's, it's profitable for teaching and reproof. It, it, re it receives a return. Both refer to what we believe about God, teaching and reproof both refer to what we believe about God, our doctrine, you might say, our theology. Theology is the study of God. Teaching is positive, and reproof is somewhat negative. It's being corrected almost. But then, Scripture is profitable for correction and training in righteousness, it says. Correction is to straighten, and that's used primarily negatively in Scripture. It's when you are correcting someone they are on a crooked path, and you're straightening it. Training is used as a positive response. When you are training, you're correcting someone, and then you're training them. And so you're setting them off. You're giving them momentum in the straight direction they need to go. 
Teaching because the, the Bible shows us truth and the right way to live. That's what's important. It shows us the right way to live. It shows us the truth. Reproof is about our errors. It challenges our errors in life, telling us when we're off track. And then the correction comes. Because once we have that understanding of our errors, we get back on track. And when we get back on track, correction, because the Bible shows us how to get back on track and put things right again. You know, I think, I think one thing that is very important, you ever have a piece of bended metal that you're trying to bend back? You ever try to, like, do that? I, I did it the other day. It was very fun. Not at all. You put it on something, and you can, like, hammer at it. You put it, like, in a grip or something, something that's going to hold one end of it, and then you try to hammer it down. It doesn't move, and it takes a long time if you're trying to do it that way, depending on how thick the metal is. And you may have to use different tools, but it's... Honestly, that's kind of what correction is. It takes some time. It takes a few times to listen to that. But then training in righteousness, because the Bible tells us and shows us who God is, what lit right living looks like. Don't you want to know what right living looks like? Like, I think I do. If I could walk through the rest of my life I might suffer for Jesus, but I won't suffer because of my own sin. I think I would take that. But yet sometimes we choose suffering that really has nothing to do with persecution. So training in righteousness, I want to do the right thing. So to build into people like Jesus, we need to teach, reproof, correct, and train in righteousness. Those are four things. Two of them, if you notice, it's kind of sandwiched. Teach is positive. We need to teach. And in teaching, we're going to correct the errors. That's reproof. And then when we're correcting, that's when the person is moving from a wrong worldview to a right worldview or righteousness, and that's training in righteousness. So that continues. They're all connected. So if, if we go back into the Old Testament, the Bible was life to Moses. It was food to Jesus and breathed by God. I don't know what more I need to know. It must be our breath our life, and our food. What's the first thing you do when you get up? I, I, know, I know what most people do. What's the first thing you do when you get up? There's surveys about this, so I, I, I've researched it this week. Uh, yeah, someone's putting up their cell phone. Exactly. <laughs> if you, I, I, I'll give you a challenge, okay? I'm going to give you a challenge. And I, I'm going to personally... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. Charge your phone outside your bedroom. Try it. See what happens when you wake up. Put your Bible on your bedstand. Do something different. Maybe you read your, like I said, audio book or whatever. You want to do it that way? That's fine. But find a way to focus in the morning when you wake up on the Word of God. It must be our breath, our life, and our food. That's why we build into people like Jesus and how we continue. All of this will not just make us better. It will make us complete for every good work. Matthew 28, 20 says, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always into the end of the age. You guys had to wait like, what, four weeks to hear that, that, that verse? I did the first two of that passage. Followers of Jesus build into people what the word of God says. Followers build into others because Jesus is with us. With us when, it says there, always. How long? Forever. 
I don't know anyone that can promise that. I mean, look around at the person you're with or the people you're with. Are they going to be always with you? Forever? I mean, forever, forever. No. Jesus is going to be with us to the end of time. Jesus is beside us in our greatest victory and our worst defeat. And I find the worst defeat is the moment we're humbled to the point where we receive him as he is versus receiving him and thinking we can do it on our own. And so he's cheering us on as we pursue his purposes. When we build into people like Jesus, we're living with God-given purpose. Just a few verses that describe this purpose. Some of these you know probably by heart. Maybe some of you memorized this. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish and ha- but have eternal life. We build into people like Jesus because God's given us eternal life. That's the greatest gift I could ever receive. You know, Christmas Day is great, but I always like think in my mind, I'm like, man, I, need, I almost want to do communion on Christmas. I know that sounds kind of like weird, but it's like, Jesus died for me and gave me eternal life. That's the greatest gift I could ever have. John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We build into people like Jesus because we've been set free by the truth. That's what it's about. 1 John 4, 7. Beloved. You know, I've always wanted to write my wife poetry, but I can't write poetry. And I always wanted to start with beloved because it sounds so beautiful. And I read this, and it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. We build into people because we, we know and live lives of love. We can be a part of God's love letter to other people. Because we're the ones acting on it. We build into people like Jesus. If you're, if you're building into, uh, in, into others, the first place to start that I always start, and some of this is, if you don't know what you know, you don't know, I mean, how can you have faith if you don't know, right? I mean, it's kind of like if you stuck me in a situation where I had to build a plane, let's say, if I'm not an aeronautical engineer or there's no instructions, it would be impossible. The first place to start is the Romans Road. It's the basics of understanding salvation. And I'm only going to list these verses. So I would encourage you, I'm going to post it on, on social media after service. But these are the basics. These are the verses that explain and describe our need for a Savior, what that Savior has done, and how we can be with him for eternity. It's Romans 3.10, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, Romans 10.9 and 10, Romans 5.1 through 2, and Romans 8.1. And that was really fast. That's why I'm going to post it on social media. Walking through these verses are the first step to understanding how to build into a life of faith and what a life of faith looks like. Any of us can share that with another person. And maybe 
It's not sharing one of those verses. You know, I, I learned something from reading through Job this year so far. You know, Job, his wife seems like a terrible person, but I think most of us would probably have her response to his suffering. You know, his wife, she goes, curse God and die. <laughs> Whoa. But the reality is, in that moment, Job didn't suffer because of something he did. He was suffering because God allowed it. And honestly, for his glory, if you notice the end of the book of Job, what does Job receive at the end? He receives more than he ever had before. And so we get lost in why God, why God now? And sometimes we need to ask that question, which we're going to go into a series about lamentation soon, and that's a lot of questions we'll be asking. But we need to be able to understand that God uses us no matter if we're in our greatest defeat or our greatest victory in our lives. And you know what? I keep thinking this. This is why I don't like being sick. I don't like living a life that's not filled with passion. Passion for the Lord, but passion just in anything I do. My wife says I have a three-month cycle on things. And so I, I want to encourage you with this. Don't let this sermon just be... A, a one-week thing, a month thing, genuinely process what it means to build into others like Jesus would. Genuinely think about this. Because I have a three-month cycle, so I get excited about one thing, and then I move on to the next thing because I've gotten all the details I can about this. Let's not have a faith like that. Let's have a faith that is consistent. So are we going to be a human being or a human doing? You notice I started out with that a little bit. Human being or human doing. I'm going to choose be rather than just do. I'm going to be someone that follows Christ. So, so what? What does this matter? You know, I had a sermon with a million points today. It matters because to build into people like Jesus, first we need to follow, model, and pursue the virtues of God. Follow, model, and pursue. You know something I've realized is pursuit is complicated. Any of you remember the first time that you went on a date with your wife? I do. I was so nervous. I didn't know what I was doing. I kind of like wanted her to not like me. I know that sounds crazy. So what I did, you know, my personality, I just kind of like, I was nervous. So what do I do? I start talking really fast and I talk a lot. She, was, she had like a, some type of head cold or something, so she wasn't talking much at all. And I left thinking, yeah, I may never see her again. But then I realized, well, because I was being set up, by the way, as a blind date. So I realized that pursuit is something that requires some effort, some initiative. And some of us are people that we don't like to initiate things. We are so much more happy when other people initiate for us and we're like, oh, we'll let the other person initiate for us. I'll let them do it. And then we forget about our personal pursuit of our Savior. And so we need to make, we, and when I say we, I mean each one of us individually need to make an effort in that way and not rely on someone else to initiate. And then to build into people like Jesus, we need to expect suffering and persecution as we seek to save people by pointing them to God's word. 
You know, the world, honestly, I would say the last year, year and a half, has been the most dramatic change in my lifetime regarding how people view large groups and how people are congregating, how people are coming together. And one of the things that I know without a shadow of a doubt is that God works in the moments where we think that the world is overcome. And the world has not overcome anything right now. We need to continue to point people to God's word. No matter what happens on a Sunday morning, you have an opportunity every day of the week to share with others the faith that you have. And then third, to build into people like Jesus, we need to teach, reproof, correct, and train in righteousness. You could think of that as that's the plan. That's exactly what you need to do. Those four things, do it in that order. Go through it. God has given us a plan. Sometimes I have people tell me, and, I, and I've felt this way at times too, is, is I don't know where to start. Right here, it's got where, it's, where to start. Those are the four steps. I'm very thankful uh, just to be able to come here this morning. You know, I had uh, kind of a crazy few weeks, and I started to realize that no matter what I'm going through, God is still at work in his people. And he doesn't need any one of us, but we get the choice to be a part of what he's doing. And that's what's exciting. That is what excites me. Because I get to be a part of something that God's doing.